Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, folks, it's 9-11, 19 years after the attack on our country by Islamic jihadis performing jihad, trying to please their God, Allah, to strike at the great Satan, the greater Satan here in the United States. We became alert to the Islamic attacks when they finally reached our shore, but for 20 years previous, Muslims were attacking Americans and our interest around the world, bombing our embassies, bombing the Marine base there in Beirut, and one of our vessels. We didn't really pay attention until we were attacked on 9 11, close to 3,000 souls were lost, innocent souls, brought to their death by about 11 determined jihadis. Now, this was not our first war as a nation that we've had against Islam. And I want to walk you back through history and kind of look where, we've, uh, where we are now since 9-11. We're trying to remember. We said we would. We said we would never forget. What happened that day? And yet we're now almost two decades, 19 years apart, and it's shocking. Hardly anything has been said on the news about this day. And with COVID, uh, we're not going to have our traditional ways of remembering and mourning what happened on that event. And we need to be aware that there is still a threat of Islamic jihadi activity against our nation. And if we don't, we will regret this. Now, as I said just a few moments ago, this was not our first war against Islam. It's still going on, uh, the fight that we've got, and it will continue. But back when our second president, uh, John Adams, was our president, we were having trouble with our crews that were trying to do trade around the world, and our ships would go down the Mediterranean, and they would be captured by Muslim pirates, the Barbary pirates, the Barbary corsairs. You study it, look it up. It's it's there as part of our uh, national history. John Adams sent Thomas Jefferson in 1785 to meet with an Algerian ambassador in London to try to understand why these hostilities were going on against our new nation. We were just a young, fledgling nation. So Thomas Jefferson met with the Algerian ambassador, Abid al-Rahman. And this, by the way, his letter that he wrote back to Congress is in the Library of Congress. And let me read to you a portion of what Thomas Jefferson said when he asked this Algerian ambassador, because, you know, the, the, uh, the Muslims of North Africa... We had nations like Algeria, Libya, that were attacking us. Here's what he wrote back. He says, that, uh, this is what the Algerian ambassador said. It was written in, in the Quran that all nations who should not have acknowledged their authority were sinners, and that it was their right and duty to make war upon whoever they could find and to make slaves of all they could take as prisoners. 
and that every Muslim, and this is what they used to refer to themselves, not as Muslims, they used to be known as Mohammedans, followers of Muhammad, but, uh, and this is uh, where, uh, where it comes from, Muslim, who should be slain in battle was sure to go to paradise. Now, this is consistent with the teaching of Islam. The only way to gain, for sure, guarantee of, of heaven is to die as a shaheed, performing jihad, trying to make war, holy war, against the infidel, the kafir, uh, the unbeliever. And so they were holding our crews as slaves and holding them for ransom, and we, we paid them. And that was almost bankrupting the treasury. Well, while Thomas Jefferson was in London, he purchased two copies, and a translation of the Quran. They were in two folios and came back with them and began to study this religion of Islam. You know, they, they, they're in a holy war against us because we do not believe their God as God, and therefore it's their duty to make war against us. So when Thomas Jefferson became president, he sent in the Marines. This is why you have Marines wearing uh, the leather neck collar to protect them because the Muslims were going after their neck. Their sword is kind of a curved, a scimitar, because of the battles there that they were having with these Muslims. And also the, the Marine hymn, From the Halls of Montezuma to the Shores of Tripoli. Uh, this was uh, Tripoli in Libya. And so this part of our history, it only took about five, six years of that war, and it brought an end to it. And it almost ceased hostilities between Muslims until just recently. Where are we today since 9-11? Well, you would think, you would kind of thought, that the Muslim influence on our nation would have declined that their standing amongst us would have been weakened and ruined. But not so. That's not the case. Since, according to the USA Today, uh, since 9-11, there's been a 74% increase of mosques in the United States. The population has grown an additional 2 million Muslims, immigrants, coming into our country. Now, Muslims decry and say, well, we are victims of hate crime. We have been victimized and, and so on. Well, I've been looking at the FBI hate crime reports for a decade and a half, at least 15 years. And I've got records. I've got all, I've got all these records going back to the year 2000 when they started publishing them. And I've been studying them. And when you look at the margin of difference between hate crime, when hate crimes committed against Christians, because Christians are victims of hate crimes, and Muslims, yes, they have been victims of hate crimes, but so have Jews. When you look at that, here's what it looks like. On average, for the last, they, they don't publish, we're, we're, the latest published that we've got is 17, 2017. They're way behind from where we actually are. They should be coming out with 2018 here real soon, but, you know, we'll, we'll wait to that. But throughout all these years, we're talking close to about 18 years, Christians are victims of hate crime about 10% of the time. Muslims are marginally higher, 13%, only a 3% difference between hate crimes against Christians 
and hate crimes against Muslims. But the real news, stop the press news that you don't hear, Jews are victims about 77% of the time, according to the FBI hate crime statistics. And so the truth of the matter is that we don't have an Islamophobia problem. We've got a Jewophobia problem here in America. They're the ones who are getting the brunt of the hate crimes when it comes to religious breakdowns. And so Muslims, yeah, are they getting victimized by hate crimes? Yes, but only 3% more than Christians get it. But over 63% more uh, do Jews, Jews get it. So Muslims are 63% less likely to be a victim of hate crime. Um, Jews are the ones who are going to get it. But you never hear that in the news, do you? Never. And during the Obama-Biden time period, we saw a rapid increase of support to Muslim groups, Muslim operations. They were given, and I, I, we, we talked about this <laughs> countless times on our broadcast over the years during the Obama administration time, uh, of how uh, Muslims who were connected with terrorist organizations, uh, Hamas and other groups, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, that, um, that they were given top security clearance in our nation and given access to areas. And we turned to them for advice on how to deal with Islamic terrorism. It's, uh, it's, it's, it was comical if it, it was so sad. It really was. And has President Trump improved our situation, our standing? Well, yes, he has dramatically. Um, his stand against ISIS and bringing pretty much a, a, a destruction to the leadership there. Are they still operating? Yes. But they are broken down and fragmented and are hardly the threat that they once were. But the Obama-Biden um, combination gave them refuge, gave them opportunity, and the fight that he had against them was um, pretty much just um, piecemeal, and it was hardly an attack. In fact, Obama didn't really start getting more serious about ISIS until Russia started uh, coming onto the scene, and they started taking a stand, and he didn't want to lose our position in the Middle East, and so therefore Obama finally did take some more of a stand. But still, it was always very measured and limited and as little as possible. But when Trump came in, um, we uh, turned down the screws and put an end to ISIS, and, uh, and, and not only that, the immigration of Muslims coming into our country, and get this, folks, you may not be aware of this, but you should. The, and this is true of any country, our Canadians uh, that are listening and Europeans that are listening. You may not realize you're not in control of the refugees that come into your country. The United Nations is. We've surrendered control 
and sovereignty to the United Nations. And they determine who you're going to get. Now, you get to vet them and say, okay, well, we feel this person's a security risk. But you commit to a number. And if you find a family or group, whatever is a security risk, you move them out. And then another person will come in. So you're, you're committed to a number. But they're the ones who tell you who you're going to get. We have been taken uh, for decades, about 85,000 refugees every year. The United States is the most generous nation in the world when it comes to that. But Trump has he's been the first president in over two decades to say, no, the other countries need to do their fair share. We're not going to carry the water for everybody. And he's dropped the number to 40,000 a year. Now, why is that significant? It's huge. It really is. Because the United Nations sees America with so few Muslims. And so 99% of the refugees they send us have been Muslims for over two, two generations. They're still they're two decades. They're still doing that right now. Uh, 99% of the refugees they send us are Muslim and very few are Christians. And so we've seen a huge amount of them coming in. We were giving out 100,000 visas to Muslims annually under the Obama administration, and in addition to the 85,000 refugees coming in. And so they've been pouring in by immigration, then they procreate, then they begin to agitate as their numbers grow, and then uh, before you know it, um, you've lost your communities, and they begin to dictate. And this is why we say um, we, we need to put a stop to this if we want our country to remain as it is. And if not, these people will change it. And I speak from firsthand experience living in Europe for 29 years. Remember to mourn and pray for the families of those who've lost their loved ones. And uh, thank you for our first responders. And God bless them and keep them safe. That's it for today. Join us again next week at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.